0: Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson. And today we have returning guest Ryan Herman on to talk about leasing hunting properties. Uh, This is something that I have never done before, but I think I see it in my future uh, for one reason or another. And I talk about all those in today's episode. Ryan talks about how he started leasing properties. He talks about the process that he takes, where he finds them, how he looks for them, uh, the communication that he has to go through with uh, the landowner or the person wanting to lease the, the hunting ground, uh, how he communicates and all the, all that really into the details of uh, leasing hunting ground. And so I'm not going to get too crazy into this intro today because right now I have a packed vehicle in my driveway ready to, ready to take off uh, for Nebraska. So when you hear this, The goal is, if it's Wednesday, and you're listening to this on Wednesday of this week, the goal is that it's going to be raining in South Dakota, or excuse me, in Nebraska, where I'm at. And then the next two days after that are going to be like 20 degrees colder than the previous day. So we're looking at a potential 20-plus degree temperature drop, and uh, I'm going to try to take advantage of that cold front. Um so I'm going to be out in Nebraska for 8 days trying to get it done on uh, either a mule deer or whitetail and uh we will see how it goes. But before we get into today's episode, really quickly, if you're looking for a set saddle, go check out Tethered. If you're looking for a badass broadhead that in my opinion could be one of the the best designs and are made from the best materials on the market, you need to check out Wasp Broadheads, wasparchery.com. And that discount code for Wasp is NFC20. Then we have Hunt Stand. I'll be on HuntStand this whole week looking e-scouting, leaving a trail of breadcrumbs to try to find these deer and uh, documenting everything that I see, everything that I find in hopes of connecting with a deer and using that as a reference for following years. So journaling, uh, maps, satellite imagery, topo lines, uh, landowners, uh, public land, all that stuff uh, is at huntstand.com. Go check it out. It's affordable. Very affordable, so go check it out. Last but not least, Vortex Optics. Man, I'll be using the spotter. I'll be using my binos. I'll be using my rangefinder finder uh, here on this trip. And uh, you got to trust the equipment. You know, like I I'm, I'm, I trust Tethered. I trust Wasp. I trust HuntStand to be accurate. And I trust Vortex to absolutely crystal clear, no problems until there is a problem, and then if there is a problem, whether I break it or it's damaged or something happens to that piece of equipment, I can take advantage of their VIP warranty. I send it to them, they have, uh, uh, I send it to them, they fix it, and they send it back for free. So vortexoptics.com, go check it out, and they also have a badass line of apparel, so go check out their apparel line as well. That's it. I'm done with the intro. Let's just get into today's podcast about how to lease hunting property? I think you guys are going to enjoy this one. Three, two, one. All right, on the phone with me once again, uh, Mr. Ryan Herman. Ryan, how we doing, man?
1: Not too bad. How are you, Dan?
0: I'm doing good, man. Doing good. So we got to get we got to get something out of the way first, right? Um, I always looked yes. up to my uncles, right? And and actually, some of my outdoor. Uh, influences at a younger age whether that was fishing or trapping or uh, my uncle took me out to uh, uh, for pheasant hunting for the first time and so I, I have you know I owe a little bit of my foundation to my uncle's uh, turkey hunting especially and so uh, you have to you have to tell me what your nephew texted you before this episode
1: so I, I told my brother that uh, I'd be Doing the, the follow-up recording to about leasing uh given our first conversation and uh i got a text message from his son Jackson, who who told me that if i didn't mention his name during my podcast uh that i was dead to him okay <laughs> so there's the right off the bat there it is Jackson. we we, we brought you up uh, now we can get into the the meat
0: and potatoes of this conversation okay so let's ask let's talk to uh uh let's get into Jackson right real quick though, yeah wait, one second um is he a good kid or is he a little shit he's a good kid okay yeah he's kid. a really good kid okay good yep. good well that's good your uncle thinks very highly of you Jackson. And, and uh i'm sending good vibes your way is he he's uh is he getting into hunting
1: he is yeah um actually uh we were planning on going out uh, taking him and his younger sister out for youth season this Saturday, but I think it's going to be a little too hot. Yeah. Um, both of them, both of them did really well last year. Both of them harvested uh, uh, good bucks. Uh, Jackson shot a nice, nice deer in youth season last year. And then his sister Lexi shot a really nice buck too. Um, during, I think it was first
0: shotgun season. Oh, nice. Awesome. Awesome.
1: So, and Jackson, Jackson got his first bow. So he's been practicing and, getting getting pretty good with that they're trying to get him up to uh i think pulling about 35 pounds i think i I don't think iowa has a minimum though
0: yeah i'm not sure what that is if if there is i uh, I don't i don't
1: think there is one
0: yeah well anyway here's the here's the deal good luck jackson hopefully you uh you uh you find success this year Keep being a good kid. Listen to your parents, right? All that stuff I'm supposed to say. <laughs> so, there, you go. there you go. There you go. All right. So now you just got you just got some brownie points from your nephew. Hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully yeah. All right. So today's conversation, and we had some technical difficulties because we were going to, in the last episode, we were going to talk about um, leasing a little bit, leasing property. Yes. And this is something that, I personally I've looked into just a very little bit Um, like I have some really good farms right now that I have access to permission wise and with the permission uh, like these permission properties, sometimes you you have some sway with the landowner and sometimes you don't have any sway with the landowner. And so, and what I mean by that is controlling the property, right? Who comes, who comes in and out of it? What the, you know, what the, like, because I'll just be honest with you in the last two weeks, I have had packs of wild dogs run through and, and some of that can be controlled. Some of it can't. And then multiple, multiple people on some of these properties um, uh, just like joyriding through the properties. And on this, on that particular property, there's, I have not had one mature buck on camera probably in, in two months. So I have a feeling that that pressure has something to do with the deer not living on this, on this farm uh, at, mm-hmm. at at the moment throughout. And so it just keeps getting worse. All the way up until the shotgun season where it's absolutely destroyed during the shotgun season. And so what this comes down to is, you know, having control of a property. And you yourself have, uh, throughout the years, have have leased a a few properties. So I'm going to be leaning on you on this episode to talk about what you look for in a lease. How you go about approaching someone maybe who doesn't necessarily have leasing in mind at the time. So my first question to you is um, what made you want to start leasing properties to hunt? Yeah, so um,
1: I, I think the majority of it or, or the biggest push was uh, growing up in Minnesota and hunting on public land and you you get to the point during like shotgun season where you know you're doing the, the traditional midwestern deer drives and it it got to the point to where one group of 10 is pushing to the woods to the back to the west and we are a group of 20 and we're pushing the same woods back to the east and you're ba- basically intersecting and it, it became there there's the potential of having a very dangerous situation right especially right. during shotgun season especially having uh, a lot of people out there and in, in a very heavily uh heavily hunted area right so where where we grew up hunting we had some uh, actually my grandfather who who started the kind of the group or he was kind of one of the main uh starters of that group you know they had permission from all the local farmers well as time goes on those farmers pass away the, the properties get changed some of the properties uh actually got sold to the state and became public ground and so um as we're getting older the number of properties that we have that's private is shrinking and the number of public land and the number of people on public land is increasing um and like i remember as a kid going up this same public land and not seeing really any other hunters and by the time i'm in high school and out of the military and in college um, there's just cars everywhere right and so um, it got to be one of those things where it, I, I think initially it was kind of a safety feeling of like, I want to get away from these people. Uh, I kind of want to have my own my own section or my own area that we can that we can focus on. Um, and I think honestly, uh, private land, whether it's owned or whether it's leased, the opportunity to shoot more mature deer um, is obviously is obviously there. So yeah. you, it, not to say you can't shoot big mature bucks on public land because people do it every year. Uh, my, my brother's largest buck, uh, to date came, you know, 180 some inch deer came off pr- uh, public land and ran out of the private. Um, and so there's, it, it, it happens, but right. it's consistently. And you know, it, it, like you said at the beginning, it's kind of a thing of control, um, on, pr- on public land. Nobody has control of anything on public land cause it's public land. And with a lease or with a purchase of a farm, um, you know then then you can have a little bit more control you can dictate who's going in and out of there um and like i said when we recorded last time you know i know uh being a a police officer and making police officer money i will never be able to afford you know five six seven hundred acres uh you know not all of us can be bill winky and start at the bottom and and buy, buy land at like $300 an acre right. and, then, and then end up with the 900, you know, 900 acres or whatever he had. I mean, that, that's still doable, but I don't know that I have enough years in my life to, uh, to make that happen. So, you know, I I'll probably never buy a four or 500 acre farm, but I could lease one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, And I mean, there's, there's a lot of Ins and outs of that, and I, you know, I get in arguments with people all the time about well, leasing, you're just throwing your money away, and if you put that same amount of money here, and in 30 years you could purchase that. But yeah, you're right. But for those 30 years, while well, I'm saving that money to buy land, um, you know, I'm hunting public land in in, in the mix of it. So yeah, um, so it's just one of those things. Like you, you put your money, or you know, you, it's your money. You do whatever you want, and you know, you capitalize on the money that you have and, and it provides the hunting opportunities that you want. So that, that's, that's, that's the big thing is, um, it offers me more opportunity and I can lease a ton of ground or small parts of parcels or whatever, and have more options as opposed to hunting public land. And I, you know, there's an argument on both sides. I, I, and we can sit and debate it back and forth, but, um, I would, I would rather lease two, 200 acre farms than own, 20
0: yeah yeah
1: that's about that's about like right now if you if you saved a thousand dollars a year or, you know whatever instead of putting toward a lease in the next 30 years well thirty thousand dollars is isn't enough for a down payment on 20 acres in iowa yeah that's
0: you know, a fact so that's a fact especially in the in county that, that i live in um where grounds going anywhere from 10 to 12 recreation ground is going anywhere from 10 to 10 to whatever and so then you're looking at having to travel to a piece of property that you own which for a guy like me okay. isn't a big deal but still two hours away I'd rather have that that property 15 minutes away than then um you know than two three hours away if that makes sense yeah so yeah so yeah I so I answer
1: answer your initial question. The big thing was like, it it was kind of a safety thing, but it was also like, we, we had this mindset change of, okay, we want to pursue bigger bucks. We want to pursue more mature bucks. We want to see, you know, and and it's where we hunted and, uh, on public land in Minnesota, it would be nothing for us to kill, you know, eight to 15 deer, you know, every year. Because you got so many people out there doing deer drives, but I, you know, looking back at it, I don't know that a single deer was over three and a half. Yeah. You know, and if you did, it was luck, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. So,
0: okay. So let's, let's run, let's just like from a bullet point standpoint, let's talk about the benefits here. Um, The benefit of the safety, like you mentioned, right? Uh, You lease a piece of property and, and we can talk about the contingencies, Uh, in in just a minute, but the safety reason, right? You know who exactly is on that property. Um, You, maybe the farmer who, or the landowner, uh, the farmer, um, and it's all, it's all talked about previously, right? Then from, from the management standpoint, if you If you're looking for low pressure deer that potentially can get to a higher age class, which results in bigger antlers for the most part, right? I don't want to get into the whole genetic conversation right now, but for the most part, the older a deer gets the, the chances of him having a bigger rack, which we all, all want, um, are, are there. So, um, so that's another benefit, right? Is, are there any other benefits to leasing outside of those two bullet points?
1: I mean, I think, I mean, obviously we could get down to the weeds, but you know, it's one of those things with like, um, one of the properties that I lease, it's like, it's almost like I own it anyway. So I, you know, I have the ability to go out there and, um, you know, do other recreational things on that property. Yeah. But I just, you know, I could, I could fish the pond that's stocked with bass and crappies. I just, I just don't, I could go out there, taste turkeys in the spring, uh, which on that particular farm, I haven't, you know, I just, it's one of those things where the farm I'm talking about is so small that I just want to leave it alone. I don't want it. Basically, I want it to be untouched until I walk in there to put cameras out in July. And then I want it to be untouched again until I walk out there in October.
0: Right. Right. So
1: yeah, I mean there are there are other benefits to it, um, other than just the safety thing and you know the having somewhat control of the property. Now, there's there are some things with with some of the leases that I've had in the past where um, you know we don't you you have some control, but at the same time, the farmer doesn't want you to. Um, you know, chop down any trees or cut anything or put any tree tree pegs in the tree and and I understand all of that. I work around all of that. Same thing with um, you know, they don't want us to do food plots or they don't want you to do, you know, go in there and clear some brush out or something like that. Um and I've tried to work with them in the past of having having some crops standing and and paying them for having the crops to stand. But it's really difficult to get a an eighty year old farmer to leave money. Uh, sitting out in the field right you know and so it 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 took some convincing to make it happen and we've been able to you know bits and pieces get get little chunks of of um tillable you know beans or corn standing and i'll tell you you know nothing against any of the um any of the food plots and all that and i know people have success on different things but i the the first farmer i leased from in minnesota uh we were talking about foot putting food plots in And he goes, well, the only thing you want to put food plot – the only food plot you want are beans and corn because that's what the deer eat. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, you know, we want to try this rye grass. We want to try clover and this, that, and the other. And I don't know, and I know there's maybe some, you know, biology behind it with the deer and all that. But I'm telling you, every time we came across deer eating in the food plots, they were not eating our turnips. They were not eating our clover. And they were in the beans and the corn. So there is something to – beans and corn that's, right. just, that, that's just my opinion i know we could debate that you know till our faces turn blue but um yeah so in, yeah. any intense t- yeah. so back to the back to the original thing there are other advantages uh yeah but those to me those are the two big things having a little bit of control knowing that on a walk out there there's not going to be someone sitting in my tree stand and yeah. you know the other thing is um safety like i'm the only one out there you know i, I predominantly bow hunt And most of my leases are bow hunt only. And that's, then we can get into that later, but that's also part of um, why I feel like I'm getting really good deals in terms of the cost.
0: Yeah. Okay. And yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that. So, all right. A guy like me, I've never leased before. um, I say to myself, all right, man, like, like I am I'm very hesitant throughout this process, but I see the end game being me probably have to leasing some, some property, especially in Iowa where man, we are, we are one rule change away from Iowa being ruined. Right. I mean, I mean, there's one or two rule changes that come up for debate every single year where a state like Iowa, I mean, if there's anybody from Illinois listening to this, Especially Western Illinois, along the Mississippi River, or uh, those counties in that uh, whatever they call that, the Golden Triangle.
1: Golden uh, Triangle, yeah, yeah Pike uh, County, yeah, Pike County. County.
0: Talk, yeah. you know, ask some locals twenty years ago or even more how what happened in in that neck of the woods, right? And how I'm guessing there's locals there who just don't straight up, you know, they just don't hunt anymore because of all the 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 money that has come into the area. And so Iowa is one rule, one or two rule changes away from that happening in our state, which is going to lead to a pay to play system, right? You're still going to have your public. Yeah. It will become overrun uh, public in Iowa right now is, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. it's okay, but there's still pressure just like every, every yeah. piece of public has pressure, but, but, what what i'm 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 seeing this and um the days of knocking on doors in uh certain parts of certain states are coming to an end right and oh uh, for sure and and so uh if not if if you do it's it's straight up luck and I'll be honest I've had some straight up luck right I can remember um one year I was knocking on um when I first moved to the county that I moved in. Uh, I spent two straight days. I knocked on 22 doors. I got told no 22 times in two days and I kept count. Yeah. I knocked on 22 different landowner doors. Um, all I did was just drive around and knock on doors. Oh, well, well, we already got a hunter there and that was 10 years ago. Okay. Yeah. And so finally I found a piece of property, uh, from a neighbor down the street and there's about 13 people hunting on it it might as well be public property okay the amount of people and and they don't keep track of anybody you know so so that's what i'm that's what i'm dealing with here so i i see i see myself in the future leasing some farms uh for the exact reason of my kids are getting older i want them to Walk in and have opportunity at uh, game, whether that's turkey, whether that's mushroom hunting, whether that's um, you know deer hunting, and at the same time, uh, the 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 safety issue. Like, I don't want some knucklehead yeah. walking around, uh, firing guns and and being crazy when I have my kids out there, right? So I, I yeah. see that. What are some things that I need to be looking for, or people who are, who have never leased before? What should I be looking for? Where are the leasing resources? Um, like where do I start? Yeah, so just me personally,
1: my experience is i have I have come across way more leasing opportunities and permission farms. I do have a handful of permission farms and I do have a handful of leases. Um, but I have come across those opportunities way more and at a and I would say at a better price by word of mouth. Right. Right. So some of the, some of the, um, I guess the, the places you could really look, um, I know Facebook, Facebook has leasing hunting pages and like, I know that, uh, I don't, I don't personally use social media. Um, I share a Facebook profile with my two brothers and my one brother is the one who kind of organizes it post posts the pictures and does all the stuff. Um, I, this is a whole nother conversation, but I, I, I couldn't possibly care less about social media. Yeah. Um, so Facebook does have. I know that we're we're members of some Facebook leasing something something group. Yeah. Um, but looking at those leases, you are paying a premium. You you are paying top dollar, probably beyond top dollar um, through that uh, through that site. Um, I've also we've we've leased properties off of Craigslist. Um, usually you can get pretty good deals. Usually it's just a farmer who is now aware of leasing being a thing and and it's another way for his property to make money because he doesn't care about deer hunting and we've we've actually leased a couple properties off of craigslist and uh both of the properties that i'm thinking of both of them have they were both short term um but they were both really like financially good deals in terms of what we got and how much we paid right so i would i would and maybe this is going to flood um, f- flood Craigslist and flood Facebook leasing. But, um, r- usually right around when the Iowa non-resident draw comes out, was that first part of June? Yeah. Right yeah. June. I usually see a flood on Craigslist of properties that come like, oh, lease, you know, come lease this or lease yeah. available. There's usually a flood for about a month because people know that, that these guys coming from out of state want to, um, you know want to find a place to get have buttoned up and ready to go um and th- I just that's just my personal experience I've seen a ton of op- opportunities come out that early summer midsummer um and Craigslist hasn't been terrible with price some of them I mean I there was one um it was 500 acres it was south of Des Moines and they wanted like $25,000 for it yeah. yeah I mean that's that's not even and I I actually called the guy and said hey you know, basically would you give me, cause they had an aerial map on it. I said, would you, would you lease me this 40 on this corner for, you know, X amount. And he said, no, it's all a one, one time deal. And, um, that lease was leased up within, uh, within about a week. Yeah. So somebody, somebody paid that amount of money, which is absolutely crazy. Right. Um, but when you have a ton of money, um, that if it doesn't matter, then it doesn't matter. Right. Um, two, two leasing websites that I've used in the past or that I have some experience with, uh, hunting lease network is one that, um, it's, it's typically you have, there's good leases or I've seen some good properties on there. I have, a, a, a friend who has used that, um, that site for leasing a property in Missouri um, he had very, very good luck with using Hunt, Hunt Lease Network. You know, everything went very smoothly. Um, I, I feel like he didn't overpay. He felt like he got his money's worth, but it was just something that the, the lease itself didn't work out. It just wasn't what they were looking for. Um, the other one is uh, Basecamp Leasing. Now that one is, we. It's I've never used it because you have to pay. And, and I don't know if, because there's like different levels of, of like payment, like you can pay a yearly and I'm this is just a, a, a made up number, but like 250 bucks gets you like their elite program and it says like, hey, you can you can get lease information 10 days before it goes public and then the next one down is like $80 a year and that gets you lease information like 3 days before it goes public and I think there's like 4 or 5 different options and then the last one is free and that's the only one I've ever utilized. Um, my personal opinion on that website is that Every property I've ever seen has been grossly over, over, overpriced. Gotcha. Um, not, but my opinion, you know, with Hunting Lease Network or Basecamp Leasing, and this is not a knock on either one of those, but you know, they are a company that has to make money, right? Right. So they have to make money. They're they're upping the the price of the lease to put you know, and I think that there's something about liability insurance. You know they, they put liability insurance into the cost of the lease, and that's something that you know they're covering themselves, they're covering the landowner, they're covering you. Um, you know it's all part of the the process. Um, so that's that's where I think you pay the extra money because that company is is uh, got to make money. Whereas like Craigslist yeah. and Facebook, they they're not they're not making money. The Facebook thing is people now know leasing has become like what I paid for a lease in 2012 to 2014, 2015 it's nothing compared to what I'm paying for a lease here in 2022 or 2021. Yeah. You know, the, the, the numbers have almost doubled.
0: Yeah. So, so, um, so when you, cause so walk us through the different types of leases that, that you've run across because. Yeah. You know, a lease can be a year, a lease can be a season, a lease can be seven days. Right. And, and yep, so, yep. And so walk us through what you are encountering or what you are like, yeah. I don't know, like walk us through all the options.
1: Yeah. So there's, there's a ton of options and like, this is where I like the word of mouth or the knock on doors. Um, you know, you go, you knock on someone's door and it's funny, it is a very intimidating thing. And I, you know, like you said, you got told 20, 22 times you got told no. Mm. And I, I think The advantage that I have is given my career choice or given what I do for a living, um, having a conversation with a farmer is not near as intimidating or – uh, anxiety driven as, you know, talking to a guy who just killed his wife.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know By the I mean? way, you know if I mean? you didn't so, listen to Ryan's first episode, he's a detective. So, yeah. uh, that's where yeah. like you don't just so, not, you're not a school teacher who talks to murderers every day.
1: <laughs> it, yeah. No, no, no. I, you know, I don't, I don't, <laughs> again, I don't work for the state farm insurance or anything. Exactly. That um, so it's kind of funny. Um, my brother, who is also a police officer, you know, we were having a conversation and, and I, I think we were trying to determine, like who was going to go up and knock on the door, and he's like, well, why don't? Or i was going to ask the the, the, the landowner about a lease, and he's like, well, why don't you do it? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you're so good at it. I'm like, how am I good at it? He's like, oh, he's like, I just don't want to do it. He goes, uh, I'm like, wait a second. I said, you will chase a gangbanger through a, a a poorly lit alley after he pulls a gun on you, and you'll do it without hesitation yet you can't walk up to a 90 year old widow and ask her if we can hunt on her farm. He's like, I don't don't want her to tell me. No. He's like, it's, it's, it's too scary. (laughs) And so it, it, it's intimidating. And that's part of it is like the, that knock on door, the word of mouth, kind of what i talked about a little bit um, in the first podcast is literally talk to everybody. Yeah. So um, my first, the very first lease we got in Minnesota um, it was a friend of mine in college and I just, I knew at that, around that time, Minnesota had implemented a, uh, antler point restriction in the Southeast section of the state. And so just talking to this kid, you know, he's still a very good friend of mine. And, you know, I was like, where, where, you know, where are you from and where do your, where do your parents farm and this, that, and the other? Well, it turns out they're basically in like the golden triangle of, of Southeast Minnesota And he's like, Yeah, we we have hunters come in from Minneapolis and we have, you know, we lease out turkey hunts and all this other stuff. Well, long story short, I get in talking to him. I talk to his parents. uh, We drive over there. We do, back then, they did a a Minnesota had like an early doe season where you could shotgun hunt does uh, in like in October. Um, And I think we did that one year and then that put us into this lease. And this lease was um, they owned. Um, I think it was like 1,100 continuous acres, and then they leased a bunch of farming ground. And then part of that lease, you got their ground, and then you got the properties that they leased for farming as well. So we we went over there. It was a group. It was our sh- basically our shotgun group or a portion of our our shotgun hunting group. And I think the first year in there, I think we had like. 12 people and like hindsight, looking back at it, like, man, we just hunted this ground like idiots and driving four wheelers through there. And just, if I could back up 10 years and re-hunt this farm for the, the, the time that we did, especially those first couple of years, we just, it, it, it's laughable how, how terrible and like run scent. And like it just, it, yeah. it, it was, it was of a nightmare looking back at it. But um, yeah, we, you know, all said and done, you know, we, we basically made a payment of like, the, the group payment. So everybody It came out that everybody paid X amount and that's for the lease. And that's for as many people as we wanted. Um, now, as time went on, that farmer started to get closer to retirement and they started to kind of sell off some ground and they started to, um, you know, and this, this was just for shotgun season right. and it was actually for the second shotgun season because the first shotgun season was leased out by a couple of guys from Minneapolis who were paying what I would say is top dollar. And they they've been on that farm for I mean, it's probably been fifteen years now or longer. And they're not they're not going anywhere. So we were actually hunting second shotgun. Um we were it was very in my opinion, is a very good price. Uh and we did we did uh get some bow rights. We did lease a few pieces of of property from this guy throughout the years. Um but that would that was, there's kind of like a, a pay-to-play kind of thing where Anyone who shows up, we take the total amount and whoever shows up, you divide it out and that's what everybody pays. And then you just, everybody, you know, basically we draw stands at the end of the night or the night before. And, you know, that's, that's kind of how we did it. Um, another one would be like a trespass fee, right? So I, I had a lease in Nebraska or I had access to a lease in Nebraska. It was set up through a friend of ours and I went out there one year in 2017 and it, basically it's a trespass fee you come in you hunt the private you hunt the public that's connected to the private and you pay x amount like you don't pay unless you harvest a deer or you know that the payment was like 200 bucks or you know it was something small yeah and then if you har- if you harvest a buck you know different basically the different sized bucks uh, you know if it was a four by four or five by five or whatever it went up in price and i didn't really like that I, like i didn't like the way that that was done but that's that's the way they do it. Um, you know, if it if it came time for me to have the opportunity to do that again, I probably would go just to kill another mule deer, just because you know, just a different you know, maybe do it with a bow. Right. Um, but that was I, I call that like a trespass fee. I, I call that like a, a again like a pay to play. Um, another one is a year deal that we, we leased a piece of ground in Iowa here, and we knew it was going to be for one year. It was, I talked about it briefly in the last podcast. It w- it, it later got developed into housing. And we knew that it was only going to be for that one year. So um, there, there, there's kind of one year deal. Um, all of my leases right now are all year to year. You, there are, I have seen uh, like a three year lease option up to a five year lease option. Um, I've actually had two farms that I've tried to do that just to basically secure, you know uh, that long-term commitment because if I know I'm hunting here for five years, well, it's a lot easier for me to pass a three-year-old deer. Right. You know, yeah. Um, you know, and so, and that's a whole nother thing, but um, the lease that you were on when we went shed hunting that time, that was a, that was a thousand acres. It was a big lease. It's the biggest, um, one of the biggest properties I've personally leased by myself or with a smaller group of people. Um, But that lease was one of those things where um, we actually brought people in from out of state and basically subleased hunts to them to subsidize, you know, to, to counteract the the amount of money that we paid. Yeah. So, um, it was one of those things where we, we knew what the price was. We paid that price. And then, um, you know, we had to have two or three other hunters from out of state that, and I, in my opinion, paid very fair prices. We didn't gouge it or anything like that. Um, but when it's all said and done, pretty much everybody that was hunting on that farm, uh, was, basically paying about the same amount every year to hunt yeah yeah so um that that i mean for me i don't know that i would do that again i maybe if i had uh, the idea with that was to to build up basically a a rotating a rotating uh, number of people that every couple years i knew that that money was going to come in so that we could continue to uh lease that large ground but that property got sold and there's a whole whole backstory that you may or may not know the results <laughs> of. Um, but I will, I will, I will, I will just say, just be careful who you lease with. <laughs> I digress, make, right? I digress. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, the last thing I'll say is the people make sure, you know, the people that you lease with, make sure you trust those people and, um, just make sure that you, the, everyone involved is on the same page with everything. Right. Um, right. no, yes. no hard feelings. It is what it is. I've moved on. Yep. Um, and so the other, the other, other than that, the other big one is like year to year. So I have, uh, three leases right now that I just pay every year. And basically I have an agreement with one of the landowners who has two of the properties. And I, I told him, Hey, if someone comes in and tries to uh, outbid me, I'll pay you a dollar more than what they, they offer. I don't, you know, unless that number is astronomical, um, and uh you know that's kind of the agreement is like hey whatever they pay you I want to keep hunting here whatever they offer I'll pay you a dollar more yeah and um and th- that's the other thing too is when when we do this I always try to get permission first right cuz free is always better right but sometimes in in particular situations I come in knowing hey permission's probably not going to happen so you know let's have a conversation of you know do you want to make a little extra money or have you ever thought about leasing it? Um, something like that. And that's, that's how the last, the last two properties that I've gotten, um, it started with a permission. This owner landowner owned a large chunk that I got permission on. It wasn't, it wasn't anything great. It was just a couple fence lines and a, in, in a ditch. Uh, never killed a deer out there. Actually only hunted out there like twice. Uh, actually took Mark Kenyon out there shed hunting and he found a really nice shed. Yeah. Um, but that led to other properties that that landowner had because those properties were being leased by someone else. But my relationship with that person and continuous, you know, make sure all the gates are locked and, and, you know, stop in and say hi and, you know, bring them a gift card for, you know, Casey's or something just occasionally that led to me being able to lease other properties that they have that are now available. Um, And so that, that's, that's one thing that, has really panned out for me too, is maintaining a relationship with these farmers, maintaining relationships with the people that you, that you lease from. And that's, that's panned out to be a better situation yeah. uh, in the long run. So, so um, yeah, go ahead.
0: when it comes to, you know, obviously there's all these different uh, options here. Um, mm-hmm. You are a bow hunter and I know you've mentioned this in a, in a, in a, in a while talk about um, cause when I, when I think of a lease, I historically, like my mind goes to one year and I get the hunting rights. Like I want hunting yes. rights, but yep. not all leases are created equal. Uh, and sometimes, Correct. um, certain seasons or certain things like, um, um, mushroom hunting is off limits because the landowner wants to, wants to do that. Bow hunting is what you're paying for. So they can, uh, another group of people can shotgun hunt it. Um, does that then dictate different prices, different negotiations? Like I want to Turkey hunt it. I want to, I want to do all these things. Talk to us about, uh, the, the hunt, the, the, the seasons versus the cost. Yep.
1: Yep. You're, you're talking exclusive rights, right? Right. So I try to go in that. That's how I try to like, I know. So let's just say it's a hundred acres. There's a hundred acres in a prime area that I know that I want to lease this ground. Nobody leases it. Okay, for 100, the 100 acres, I'm willing to pay this amount of money for that farm for exclusive rights. And that's how I go in. That's how I say, okay, I want all the shed hunting, I want the bow hunting, I want gun hunting. And more so, it's just to keep gun hunters out. But I, I do, you know, I do late muzzleload a little bit. I have early Mozzalota a little bit. Um, I, I've, I've never turkey hunted. I took Jackson, actually took Jackson a couple of years ago on that large farm. Uh, turkey hunting, and that was it was a fun time, but I don't, I have never really got into turkey hunting. I've done a little mushroom hunting. You know, the big thing that I'm looking for is bow hunting and shed hunting, those are the two things that I want to do. And so, with exclusive rights, you have to know that you are going to pay a premium, you are going to pay probably 15, 20, 25 dollars an acre or more for exclusive rights, and that, that cost is going to dramatically increase in the next five years. Like it's hunting is becoming, we are losing hunters, I think, but through social media, through podcasts, through different things, I think there's more emphasis on, on hunting and buying land and leasing land. And, you know, I I just, I think that more people are knocking on doors. um, It's getting harder and harder to come across properties that aren't even spoken for. So I think your, your lease prices are going to go, I think they're going to go up. And I think the days of leasing something for, five, eight, ten dollars an acre is that's probably gone. So yeah. that's where that's where okay, what what would you have to have to bow hunt? Let me bow hunt out here and I'll even say let me bow hunt October, November. That first season the first opener season for Iowa goes until the first shotgun season. So whatever that is, um what what's what's the number or let's talk about a number. Yeah. So most of my properties are bow hunt only and shed hunt and that's that's and that's um one of my good permission farms and one of my best leases the the landowner is a big big pheasant hunter so they go pheasant hunting they do that's their family thing um they are out there in october pushing dogs and you know it's basically a big crp field and they kill a lot of pheasants and there's a lot of deer that travel through there but i don't you know uh i pay very little or I pay for the, for the, for knowing that they're going to be out there too. Right. Whereas, uh, one property that I know that the landowners gun hunt, um, they shotgun hunt the first shotgun season every year. And they have a guy from out of state or out of of the area that comes out and turkey hunts in the spring. So my brother and I get basically bow rights and we, it's a 200 acre farm and we pay a thousand bucks a piece. So essentially it comes out to be $10 an acre. Okay. So that's – and that – and just for bow rights, just for shed hunting, you know, and it's one of those things. It was a a really hard pill to swallow because like what we had in Minnesota, we had portions of that where we could bow hunt, we could do all this. And we were paying literally like – you do the math on it. It was like $2.50 an acre, $3 an acre. So – but, you know, then you're also sharing it with 15 people. Um, So that's, you know, $10 an acre for bow hunt rights only. I think that that's a pretty good deal. Now, granted, this is an area that I've I've scouted. I know this area. There's a lot of deer in there. A lot of good deer in there. So, a thousand dollars for me to have the opportunity to bow hunt a 150 to 180 inch deer, I'm going to do that all day. I'm, right. That's that's it. that's a no-brainer. Yeah. yeah. Um, and no, knowing
0: view. that no one else is in there too, right? I mean, we, bow, we talked. Yeah,
1: about no that. one else is in there bow hunting, and there's been. There's been some stuff and that's, that's part of the leasing thing is you still can't control operations on the farm. So there was parts where he took out a bunch of the crop field and turned it into CRP, which you know it, it's good and I, it's, it's fine, but it really affected how the deer move on that part of the farm. So yeah. that's we had to adapt to that. Now in the last year, uh, they put a bunch of cattle back in this, in the, part of the in part of the farm. So now you have to adapt to like I don't put any cameras. We had two or three spots in this area where they had cattle. I don't put cameras in there because the cattle, unless you can get it off the ground, the cattle are going to wreck it. So yeah. um, actually uh, funny story, the deer I shot last year, it was in, in a piece of in a cattle pasture chunk. And I had a camera on the trail that the deer actually ran down. So the deer was literally going to run by my camera right before I shot him. And I was super excited to go down there and check. Well, when I get down there, uh, a cow had actually rubbed up against that tree. And there was a bunch of cow shit all over the <laughs> side. My camera, my camera was covered in cow poop, and like I was just like I was excited that I shot this deer. And, you know, it was a good deer. And then I get, I, I know that this picture, this this deer is going to be on this camera. And then I get down there, and the camera's like turned sideways and covered in poop. And I was like, what the hell? Yeah, but yeah. it is what it is, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah,
0: that's so when ahead. when they change the, you know, you you go into a property and you say. Hey, I'm going to offer you this, you make an agreement and then they go ahead and they change something, right? Like just a block of timber with no cattle in it is probably going to hunt better than if there was a block of timber with cattle in it. Yeah. So does that, then? do you go back to the farmer and say, Hey man, listen, um, can we talk about the price? Because now I'm having to, to work around cattle as well. I mean,
1: you, you. I would say you could, but here, here, Dan, this is this is the answer, yeah. right? The amount of money that I pay to hunt there is peanuts compared to what he's getting for other things that are actually bringing in more money, right? Right. So the like, and this this guy I know, uh, it's a, it's a family friend, like, I, or I know his family and I know his son, and you know, I I do think that that's a good deal. Um, this will be our first year on that particular farm with the cattle in it. Um, so it's all situational.
0: That
1: that could be a situation where like next spring, like I might just say to my brother, like, Hey, with all that, if they're going to continue to do this, this might not be worth our money and we can maybe put it somewhere else.
0: Yeah.
1: I will tell you that it, it just knowing what I know right now, if that price increases, if he comes back and says, Hey, you know, we want 1500 a piece or we want 4,000 or whatever. I'm not, I'm just going to say, no, I'll I'll go somewhere else. I won't pay, you know, I won't pay more than what I'm paying right now, given those changes. um, but that's also it's also one of those things where what do I have available? Um, what are my other permission forms? What are my other leases look like? Um, and that's one of those things where, and I've, I think I talked a little bit on the last last podcast, but got cut off was with permission. Man, they could call me on the fifth of November and tell me, hey, my nephew drew a tag and he's going to be in there the next fifteen days. You know, he's from Ohio or whatever, and I, I'm I'm SOL right? Like, it, you're you're hunting on permission,
0: yeah.
1: Um, now, luckily, I haven't had any problems with my provision farms. There are people that that also have opportunity to come up every couple years when they draw, and I've worked around those people, and they've you know it turned out that they've actually been really like really cool. You know, I'm actually texting with them before uh, before we started recording, um, so it, it, it's worked out. But um, with the lease, you know, hey, it it just makes it guaranteed. It's me. It's the people I list list on the lease, and nobody else. And it just it, it makes me more comfortable to know that you know when I make that lease payment on April first, I know that I don't have to worry about it until the end of March next year, right? Yeah, yeah. so but yeah yeah, to answer your question, I, I you know it just depends on what that what those changes are. Um, you know the other thing too is with with properties that we bow hunt and we don't have permission to gun hunt on, well, if they go in there in the gun season and they they kill, you know, five small deer, you know, five, two and a half year olds, you know, and they basically just slam the crap out of that farm. I'm not going to be as, you know, I'm not going to be as excited to put my thousand dollars down um, the, the following year. Now that particular farm, that's not a problem. They're, they're uh, very very, uh, I guess, quality deer management minded. And, you know, they're, they're not shooting spikes and stuff like that. they, they It's a very small group that actually shotgun hunt in there. So it, it hasn't, we've had that farm for, uh, eight years and it's, I've never had an issue. It's never, it's, it's never, I've never second guessed, uh, writing that check in, 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 the spring. So,
0: yeah. Okay. Um, but. and so obviously it, it comes down, it, it just sounds like it's communication with the landowner yes, he, or whoever yeah. is, you know, like, Hey, I want, here's what I want to do. What would it cost me to do it now there? There's probably times where, You know, exclusive is exclusive, right? I mean, if you, if if the price isn't changing, you might as well lease everything and do everything on that farm, because if you don't, what they'll do is they'll say, well, this guy doesn't hunt it. I'm going to keep the same price. And then I'm going to bring in a a group of shotgun hunters for the other price. You know what I mean? So, uh, it sounds to me like if, if it is exclusive, you want to take advantage of all the exclusivity that you that you possibly yep.
1: and, can and that's 100 percent true on on one farm that we got last year for the first time um you know between the my brother and myself and uh, our friend that that leases it with us uh, we talked about hey let's let's have someone go out shotgun season because there's a lot of shotgun hunters in the area and it, it's one one problem that i've had in the past and it i understand it is permission you had permission to hunt here for the last 20 years yeah Right, or your family's hunted this for the last twenty years. Well, now this year it's leased out to somebody else. So unless there's a truck parked in the driveway and someone's sitting with a blaze orange shirt uh, in the tree, uh, they're going to go push that. They're going to go push that draw. They're going to go kick deer out of that that CRP, and they're not going to think anything of it. Right, Um, and there's been some times where it's been kind of hinky, and that you know had kind of a couple oh shit moments in terms of dealing with people who are now upset that. They can't hunt in there anymore, and I, I, I feel your pain. I have been in your shoes, um, and it's one of those things that it, it's it. It sounds bad saying, but like it's it's like the nature of the beast, right? Like you, and I've told people this, and this was a big thing on that that large farm that that you shed hunt with us. The neighbors got really upset about that whole thing because, um, you know, they've had opportunities to go out there and fish, and they had opportunities to trap and stuff, and now they don't. And so I've gotten to a couple of shouting matches. I've had the sheriff's office called on me. You know, I've had DNR called on me. Uh, and I'm not doing anything wrong. And every time he raises his voice and tells me he's going to call the law, go ahead. Now, he doesn't know that I'm actually a law enforcement officer. And I probably had lunch with the officer who's going to show up <laughs> and yell at me. But I'm also, you know, and that's, that's, you know, not that I'm using that as an advantage or anything, but I know going in
0: that I'm right. Right. right, I know. Well, and that's not I really be, your even your problem. I mean, I would correct. I would just simply say, if you have a problem with this, you need to contact the landowner because they're yes. the person well, that made this decision. And
1: that, and that, in, in that particular case too, that landowner has changed. Like that land ownership has changed hands like three times since he got permission. Mm-hmm. Right, you got permission in 1987 to to, to hire
0: <laughs> him. That's I'm a sorry. fact.
1: I'm sorry that when you got permission, I was, you know, and and, and we, I had the conversation of like, hey, you know, if you want to trap out here, we could work something out, but it's not going to be free because, you know, it, it's a liability thing. We're, we're putting insurance on it. We're the ones doing all the work. To, like, I'll work with you. I'll make, I'll make things happen for you if that's how you want to do it. But it's not going to be, a, it's not going to be free. Plain and simple. I yeah. can't, you know, um, and it's just, you know, that's one of the things where, it it's money in my pocket or it's money out of my pocket so if you want to if you want to play on my playground you know, you got to pay the fee kind yeah. of thing so yeah um but yeah so there's, there's And that's unfortunate time.
0: really. I mean because uh, and this is kind of a guess this is a guess you don't trap. And I don't. if there's nope. a, if there's a, a guy who wants to come in and say hey man I'll, I'll trap coyotes or whatever you know I'll trap coyotes or I'll trap I'll trap coons and you know, that's going to help the deer population. It's going to help the Turkey population. Why not? Right. But because now of this whole, you know, I have to have insurance on it. I mean, I've been kicked off a farm before because a guy drove through the property um, on a four wheeler when he was drunk and he got injured. And the landowner said, nobody's on my property anymore because that, that guy who got hurt on the four wheeler, his insurance said, you have to sue the landowner in order for us to cover your bills. And so, yeah. and so now you, we have this, this, this type of scenario here where the guy couldn't just say, I, I messed up. It's my fault. I'll take care of it. He, he had to sue the landowner. And then the landowner's like, Nuh-uh-uh. nobody's hunting so, here anymore.
1: So I know that there's probably going to be some people that listen to this because I, I know you have at least 10 viewers or 10 <laughs> listeners.
0: Maybe five. Um,
1: so the way, and this is, and I'm, I'm, I want to caveat this with: Do your research before you take my word for exactly. for gold. But what it was exp- how it was explained to me in about four years ago was: um, If you get permission, right? If someone gives you permission, then uh, the landowner is not liable. So if the landowner says, "Yeah, you can come out here, you can hunt, you can do all this stuff," the liability is not there. Where the liability comes in is when there's a financial transaction. So if we do a transaction of a lease, or we do some sort of agreement where money is exchanged, well now the liability switches. So if I'm out there on permission, I'm liable. If I fall fall out of a tree, or if I you know something happens, I get stabbed or something with a with a broadhead and I bleed out, the landowner gave me permission. The landowner is not liable, but with the try with the financial transaction, that changes back to the the landowner being liable because it's like. A, you know, they're paying for that. uh, They're, they're making money off that exchange. And I don't like, I don't know all the legal mumble jumble and all that, but, um, basically how I've worked around that was, Hey, you're giving me permission, correct? And yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, here's permission to hunt my land. Oh, and by the way, I'm giving you a donation to the whatever, whatever fund. Here's a check. Yeah. Um, now that's, and that's, that's, I've actually had to change that to, um, and I had a conversation with a landowner once, and you know, I you know I said, well, man, if I fall out of a tree or if something happens to me, like I'm not going to sue you, like you know, I, I hope you realize that. He's like, yeah, but your wife will. He goes, if you fall out of a tree and you're dead, um, your wife's going to sue me. And I said, well, that's, uh, I don't know that that's not true, and I get your 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 concern. So yeah, let's do something. Let's get insurance involved. Let's do that. Like, let's do it your way. You know, whatever whatever works. Um, whatever makes makes you feel more comfortable to have me out here, then I'm, yeah. I'm willing to do that. So, yeah. and that's, that's a whole different getting into insurance and getting all that. And, and how you work that out with a landowner, that's all, um, you know, I've had a landowner on one lease where I had to sign this paperwork and have it all faxed in and get all notarized and give a thumbprint and all this. And then the next year I was like, Hey, do you want to redo that? And, 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 you know, get that all signed. And they were basically like, no, just send me a check. And it's yeah. like, okay. You know, so it's, it, it, it's whatever, it, I guess my, my, my advice is whatever makes the landowner the most comfortable and, you know, check your regulations, check the rules, make sure everything is on the up and up. Don't, you know, don't just take the information I've given you on this podcast to, uh, you know, like, wait, well, hey, there's a guy in a podcast that said, you know, he's, <laughs> right. he's the cop. So he's got to be right. You know, and
0: right. Right.
1: As a cop, as a cop, I don't have to be right. I just have to be reasonable.
0: Right. Right. So, okay. um,
1: uh, so yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, there there are plenty of other options. There's, I mean, it's it's whatever that landowner is comfortable with, whatever you're comfortable with. But I would say, um, you know, just kind of give just give some rough numbers, right? Um, if you're looking for exclusive rights in Iowa, the closer you are to a metropolitan area, Cedar Rapids, Davenport, Des Moines, you are going to pay twenty five to fifty dollars an acre. Period. Uh, if you're a little bit more rural and you do a little bit more research you can get it down uh, you can you know I would, anytime I'm coming into a property I'm going at ten dollars an acre and I'm working my way up because I know in my head okay X amount is the max I'll pay um, but you know I'll start I'll start low obviously you don't go you know hey top top dollar here you go um, yeah
0: yeah so, um so so <laughs> And and that's primo ground, right? So it's yeah, a primo ground in a primo state, right? And, and the number that you mentioned was fifty dollars. The closer you are to a major city, um, uh, the and, and that I, I take it that's going to be the same way for everywhere. Uh, yes, when it come and I'm not saying fifty dollars an acre is going to be standard across the board across the nation. But what I'm getting at is you're going to pay higher prices for known great areas which let's just yes. say south of des moines uh, for for example um western illinois um some i don't know like i, I i'm not a, a southern ohio you know that some of those leases in uh west northwestern kentucky that are i, I mean some of those places might be an archery only area um in mm-hmm. like egg ag, ag areas of states that that are typically big hardwood or pine stands and things like that, where all of a sudden you get into an ag ground, you're probably going to be paying more. Um, yep. How do you, how do you judge? And it, and I, I think I already know the answer, but how do you know what is good for that area? Like what number? Okay,
1: so, so how I do, well, Okay. A lot of what you see, like on Craigslist and what you see on Facebook, um, you know, you keywords like you just said, you say Pike County, Illinois, you know, that's going to be a premium. You know, you see Buffalo County, Wisconsin, yeah. you say Decatur County, Iowa, you say Van Buren County, Iowa, you say these big trigger work, like these are the counties people know there's big deer, and that's you know, you're going to pay a top dollar, right? So, um, what I do and how it's worked out for me is I actually go, let's just say. Let's just say there's an area. Let, let's call it. Let's call it Iowa City, right? There's an area in Iowa City. Then there's some good deer out east of there, and I know that because I've talked to the sheriff. I've talked to, you know, the mail carrier. I've talked to a friend of mine who used to hunt out there. And there's a there's a 50 acre piece that I want. So I know going out there that there's there's good deer in the area. Right? Automatically, I have I have intel from people that have hunted it, or intel from people who live in the area. I've talked to people that work out there. And be careful because when you talk to a sheriff's deputy or a trooper who hunt, well then they start sniffing around because they're they're like, Okay, why why is why is he so interested in hunting out here? And it's because I've either spotted big deer out there or I've got some other information as to why there's a big deer. Uh, or that there's big deer in that area. So just be careful who you ask. And, and then, and then what they're going to do
0: is they're probably yeah. going to, they're going to run your license plate. They're going to know where <laughs> you're from. And then they're going to plant drugs or weapons on you. And then they'll take you to yeah. jail and you'll never hunt in that area again. Right. <laughs> uh,
1: that's, yes.
0: that's that's Hollywood. That's Hollywood. That's Hollywood. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, well then they go and they, they uh, talk to the lander before you do. Yeah. Um, that's that's what happens, but um, I'll go in. So to to follow along with that, I'll go in knowing, okay, this area at fifty dollars an acre or a, a fifty acre piece, you know, fifty dollars an acre, whether that's twenty five hundred bucks. Yeah. Right? Can I can I can I afford twenty five hundred dollars to hunt this fifty acre piece? And I'll you know I'll try to get permission to go and walk it first. Um, you know, I'll I'll go. You know, I'll obviously do your e scouting and all that too. Yep. Um, if if there's a deputy who's like, dude, I've seen two slammers go in there. I've seen this dude. I'll pay $2,500 for that 50 acre piece and I'll find someone else who will uh, come over there and, and, and split the cost with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So th- the big thing is how it's really panned out for me is my best lease. Th- you're not going to believe this. My best lease, my best property that I hunt came off a tip at a guy from a guy at a bow shop.
0: Okay. An-
1: another bow hunter. Just talking to him, just bullshitting with him, telling him, "Hey, this is where I live." And he says makes a comment about, um, "Oh, he used to hunt down there, and he's, you know, they used to hunt this piece and this, that, and the other." And there was, you know, if you if if you could go and knock on these doors and this area, and it just this guy was probably fifty years old, and just you know, to this day, I don't I don't remember his name, but it was just one of those things where he's like, "Yeah." And so what I did is I drove down, I looked in a section, I found okay, this is a really good prime spot. I pulled into the guy's driveway and there's a big uh, elk, European elk head on the top of his, on the front of his shed. And I can see inside there that there's like 40 dead heads or 40 European mounts of deer on the wall. Right. Chances are that guy's probably not going to let me hunt his ground.
0: Yeah.
1: So the conversation of like, Hey, who, who around here, you know, has got this, who, you know, do you know anybody that has some ground that maybe doesn't get hunted this, that, and the other. And that led me to the landowner. Gotcha. And I basically pull in there and I said, Hey, and I'm, like it's a completely strange situation, and I'm. It basically started out like, "Hey, you know, I I talked to a guy at a bow shop who talked to me and told me about this guy who told me about you. Uh, you know, would you be interested in talking about some deer hunting? And the first thing out of his mouth was like, "Man, you can kill all the deer you want, kills me deer deer's you want."
0: Yeah, yeah. And so bingo. I'm like, okay, and then <laughs> yep,
1: bingo. And so the other thing too is he's like, "Hey, I had just bought, I had just bought my my truck like the week before." So I still have like paper plates on it. He's like, he's like, well, I'll take you around the farm. He like, but here you jump in my truck. Cause I don't want to scratch that pretty nice brand new truck. And I'm like, well, yeah. oh, thank you. you know? <laughs> so we get in his truck and we're just like going, like he's taking this thing. We're, we're in the, in the rhubarb, right? Like yeah. we're just driving through the CRP grass and they're like, I'm not kidding you. This is like the first week of May, second week of May. And there are deer running everywhere. Yeah. And so I'm like, uh, you know, what do you, what, like, what do you want from this? That, you know, what do you well, you know, this, that and the other. And I, and I just, I like stopped him. I'm like, how does X amount sound? He goes, that sounds pretty good to me. I said, okay, I'll pay you this every year, you know, first, first of June that you get a check and that's what we'll do. And you know, it, it's panned out really well. And like, like I said, I will, in order to keep that farm, I will sell a kidney if I had to. <laughs> um, Cause just, it's been, it's been really good. So um, yeah, so it, it, I do a ton of research, like I know, okay, maybe let's just say, let's say Johnson County, Iowa, right? Well, not all of Johnson County, Iowa is going to produce Boone and Crockett's. Right. So I'm going to go to an area, I'm going to do some e-scouting, I'm going to talk to people, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to drive, you know, like that dawn and dusk time frame, and see where I see some deer and see where I see some good deer. And then I, that's where I'm going to go. Okay. I saw deer in this Valley and I'm going to talk to every landowner in this, in the, in this piece. And that's what I do. Just knock on doors and you basically start out with, Hey, can I get permission? Hey, who hunts here? And man, you're going to get told no 22 times, but all it's going to take is that one person.
0: Yep. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. So, um, and, and so what do we talk about? Okay. We've talked about what to do and obviously, um, it, it's kind of a no-brainer right kind of fast-forward through some of the the muddy water here um, you know once you're looking for you know once you maybe have found a, a property that you want to lease maybe ask if you can just walk it, maybe ask if you could shed hunt it some spring, Maybe or, or maybe ask yep. to walk it during shed season. You know what I mean? Like that yep. way you can, you can really kind of yep. get a, a, a grasp of what the property holds. Maybe ask if you can run trail cameras on it before you lease it yep. just to see if it meets your standards, that kind of stuff. Now, what should we be hesitant of? All right, so you're talking with a landowner or you're talking with someone who wants to lease you ground. Um, what are some warnings, uh, warning signs that, hey, maybe this isn't going to be a, a good spot to lease?
1: Does, okay. My first thing is, does he, does the landowner know what exclusive rights means? Yes. Does, is it ex, exclusive rights to deer hunting? Is it exclusive rights to bow hunting? Is it is it exclusive rights for all uh, outdoor activity? Mm-hmm. So that that's the first thing that I like. I'd make it very clear like, Hey, if I'm paying this amount of money or if I'm paying any amount of money, what exactly is defined as what I can do and what you won't let other people do. Yeah. And you know, the other thing too, is I've walked, I've walked farms where, uh, or I've had permission on farms where I go in there and you realize that, Hey, the, the neighbors are also hunting in here. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a a lone wolf tree stand on this side of the fence, and there's a very identical lone wolf tree stand 50 yards onto my side of the fence, and then it's like, okay, well, who who hunts that to the east? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so and so. So go over there and be like, hey, you know, I'm I'm leasing that ground up. You know, I know I noticed you have a tree stand in there. You know, whatever. And it, it, I've never had a problem. I've never, but it's one of those things where the fir- the first warning sign that I would say is if the landowner says, hey, yeah, no one's hunted here in 10 years, you know, or no one's ever hunted here ever. And then you walk in there and there's, you find three sets and you're like, well, someone's hunting in here. You just don't know about it because you don't, you don't come back in here. Right. Right. And so that the first warning sign is who, who else is hunting in here and who else has had permission to hunt in here in the past that you may have to go have a conversation with that, that, that is no longer an option for them. Yeah. Right. And that, that's, that's probably the stickiest conversations I've ever had is. I'll, I'll talk to a landowner i'll I'll like i said before i will literally talk to anybody about deer hunting anytime like when i walk into a room people probably roll their eyes and don't want to talk to me because it, all i want to do is talk deer hunting yeah and you know and it's one of those things where it's the the stickiest part is having that interaction with the person who can no longer hunt there and i get it i'm not i'm not your favorite person at that moment
0: but yeah you know if, yeah and that's a conversation, unfortunately, that, you know, have you ever had a, a scenario where the landowner is like, oh, Jesus, I, you know, like, thanks, man. Now I got to deal with this shit, right? Like, so he gets upset and maybe re, like, uh, I don't know what the term is, like, takes back what he said. Uh, and he's like, you know what? Um, these neighbors, th- my neighbors have been hunting here for, you know, 50 years yeah. or whatever, and I just can't do this anymore.
1: Yeah, So so – One of the farms that I had permission on that I didn't pay for that led to some of these other farms that I'm now leasing from that farmer. It has been an eight year process. It has been, it took me six years to get permission to lease, to actually make. Now, part of it is because the other properties were leased out, but they're they're very wishy washy and not wanting to hurt other people's feelings and not, you know, not wanting to kick these people off. And I understand that. Like,
0: yeah, neighbors are neighbors. You got to live with them.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. so that's why I wasn't very pushy with it. You know, that's where basically I waited till the neighbor pissed this neighbor off. And I heard about that. And then I went, Hey, uh, are you going to be leasing that to your neighbor? Uh, no, that relationship is over. Well, guess what? I want to get into a relationship with you right now.
0: Yeah. Gotcha.
1: And that, I mean, that's, so to answer your question, I, I've had it kind of, sort of, but not, not to the point to where I've lost complete permission. Um, because they've, they've backtracked or whatever. Um, but I've had a kind of a Rocky, Rocky go or Rocky start because of that.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, man, I think we kind of covered all the bases here. Is there anything else that we should be aware of when it comes to leasing properties? You know,
1: one thing that for, for me, just in my experience is, um, don't, don't be afraid to walk away from a farm either. That's a good point. You know, don't, don't like you go in. Like I, I, you know, just here, let me just, I I wrote them all down here. Right now I have, I have six properties that I either have permission on or that I lease. And like, that sounds like a lot. Um, Most of them are fairly small. Um, I guess, well, depends on your definition of small, but in my opinion, most of them are are fairly small. And so just the other day, I was talking to my buddy who I leased one of the pieces of ground with. I'm like, Hey, have you found anything else out? And he's like, He's like, have you found any other leases? And he's like, dude, he's like, it's September, whatever. Uh, you know, it's too late to lease something. I'm like, bullshit. I will lease a piece of ground on November 15th. If that's like, I will get permission at any time. Um, but at the same time, I, I want to have enough in my, I guess, enough uh, bullets in my gun. And I'll always try to add more bullets, but don't be afraid to walk away from a farm if something, if it's just not panning out, if you're having any issues. Um, you know, the, the particular farm I'm thinking about, like, there's good deer in there on in summer, but when it comes time to hunting or when it comes time to like, you know, shed their velvet and they start chasing, it just isn't, you know, I don't know that it's worth my time anymore, but yeah. you know, it's probably one of those things where once I pick something else up to, to cover that, then I'll probably let it go. Yeah. Uh, but I've, I've walked away from leases. I've walked away from, you know, time where people, you know, it, you go from paying, let's say $1,500 to hunt it. And someone comes in and says, well, I'll pay 4,500. Yeah. And it's like, man, this is a really good piece of ground. Could I cover the 4,500? Could I bring two other people in or one other person in? And at some point you just have to say, you know what, it's not worth it. You know, I can put my money somewhere else and uh, have just as good as experience. But yeah. Um, so that, that's my advice is, you know, don't be afraid to walk away and, um, i i always go to i always know this is the number in my head that i'm willing to pay and i'll when we get to that number if i if i if we go up to that point i won't go past it yeah so if 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 they won't take that number then you need to find something else
0: yeah absolutely absolutely well uh ryan man i really appreciate you i think there's a lot of great information uh in this episode so thanks for coming on again and, and talking to us about this this is a uh this is a topic that is, I don't know. It just seems messy. Like whenever I hear someone it, going, man, i lease I'm, I'm going to lease a farm or I'm leasing a farm. It just, it seems like it could get messy, but it, like it could, it, it's not as bad as what it sounds. It is a,
1: it's a dirty word in the hunting, in the hunting world. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause it, it and I'm going to,
1: I'm going to put this out there. It's because people, every single hunter has experienced the feeling of losing a piece of ground because someone else is paying to hunt there. Yeah. That's what it is. And it's, yep. it, it sucks. I've been in that situation, but here's, this is what I always tell people. Okay. It's, and it and it, sounds maybe arrogant or kind of assholey, but, uh, I don't have an $800 a month truck payment. Cause I don't have a brand new truck. Fact. So I have $800 a month that I could put toward a truck payment, but instead I put it toward hunting yeah. and you could do the same thing. You know, my wife and I have had the same 37-inch flat-screen TV since like 2008.
0: Yeah,
1: and I, I have to like direct it to the sun to get it to turn on. Like, I, <laughs> I, I make a, I haven't I haven't bought a pair of jeans since like the Bush administration. So seriously, like I make a lot of, I got an 5 Nissan
0: Titan sitting in my driveway that every time I hit a bump, rust falls off of it. And that's what I I travel the United States with when I go and hunt. So I know exactly what you're talking about when you decide to put your funds from one place into hunting. Yep. 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 So I get it, man. I get it. Well, Ryan, again, thanks for your time, man
1: you
0: have a good one dan and there you have it guys huge shout out to ryan i hope he connects on a really good deer this year if i had to guess he will like the dude finds deer and he kills him it's pretty amazing so uh good luck to ryan good luck to all of you out there right now i am out in with like i said in uh, nebraska i'm gonna be uh trying to make it happen on a mule deer or a whitetail. So uh, send some good vibes my way and I'll send them back to you. Huge shout out to Tethered Wasp, Hunt, Stand, and Vortex. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. And last but not least, make sure you guys go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, uh, let everybody else know how much you guys like this podcast. And uh, what else? What else? What else? Good vibes, right? Good vibes in, good vibes out. And wear your damn safety harness. And man...